Hi, my name is Eric. And I'm Shalila, and this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies. Yes, and we are beginning this episode today, like we do every episode, with very important news related to singer, possibly songwriter, and actor Jamie Foxx. <laughs> which is that he is showing up in the next Spider-Man movie, reprising the character that he played in another Spider-Man movie from a lot of years ago under a different franchise and a different Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm very confused and I want answers. So that's breaking news. I wish I had answers for you. I really wish that I really <laughs> wish we had something to discuss here. But the really important thing I'm going to say is that I love that movie. <laughs> I've seen it movie, a ridiculous amount of times. It's absolutely bonkers. And it's like, I, I actually like that franchise. Like, I like the idea. I like that it was all animal-based and it all revolved around evil Stark Industries and, like, all good. But I, I'm just confused, I guess. Like, I thought that we were done with that. Like, in other words, like, if next week they're like, guess what? James Franco's back as the Hobgoblin. Like, what is happening? Like, wh- what are we? So is Topher Grace, and he's Venom, but so is Tom Hardy. Like, oh, I, I would love to see that. <laughs> I'm just confused by, I kind of don't know what Sony's getting at anymore. Like, I don't know what we're doing. Are they bringing back the old universe in like a Spider-Verse way? Are they going to cross over? Or are they just asking us all to ignore it? And they're like, hey, you know how we did this already? Just forget it. We're going to do it exactly again with the same villain and the same actor playing the same villain. And you're just going to ignore, I guess in the same way that we ignore it anytime they do it with a hero, we're just going to ignore it for the villain. <laughs> Except typically the same actor doesn't reprise the same hero in another version of the... So I don't... I'm so confused. I just... If, if that was on your dartboard for 2020, that's like a big get. Like you you won a <laughs> lot of money today is my point. Like that is such baffling news. Uh, I... There's no... I don't think you could have predicted it. It's so strangely unimportant and minor. I wonder if he's gonna... Like, is he gonna continue to be Electro or is, are we gonna have to watch him become Electro again? That's have exactly my tank question. Eels? And then yeah. the, the eels fix the gap between his teeth. And then right. he's Electro and he says, it's my birthday. Now it's time to light the candles. <laughs> it's an all-time line. I think I have two primary feelings. One, I don't understand and I'm confused and they're far upset that Jamie Foxx's Electro is seemingly the person they've chosen in order to do something that no other franchise has done, which is cross <laughs> over their own franchise universes because i assume this means he's going to be stepping through a portal and entering from exiting from andrew garfield's universe into tom holland's universe and two where's paul giamatti's the rhino i love paul giamatti (laughs) and i love that he was a robot rhino for about a minute and a half and i want him back (laughs) so that's all Man, guy had to get a fake barbed wire tattoo all around his head just for about five minutes of screen time i feel for him It was true art. Anyway, so that's a really great way to start a podcast about Mulan. (laughs) We're going to, okay, we're going to play, we're going to play six degrees of whatever it may be between Jamie Foxx and Mulan. Just, just connect them somehow. Go. Oh, interesting. Uh, Oh, this is actually good. If I had been more prepared. Okay. Jamie, Jamie Foxx. I'm just going to go off of what feels most obvious to me, I think. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not that hard at all. Yeah. Jamie Foxx was in that movie that just came out this year before everything went to pot. The one where Michael B. Jordan is a lawyer and Jamie Foxx is on death row, which is called something. I don't remember. It was kind of middling. And 
Uh, so he's in that movie with Michael B. Jordan, who is in Black Panther with Forrest Whitaker, who is in Rogue One with Donnie Yen, who is in Mulan as Commander Tung. Oh, that was genuinely impressive. That's like, that's really good. I was going to be like, Jamie Foxx is the voice uh, on Ariana Grande's focus. Ariana Grande once <laughs> sang for Disney Live. <laughs> Disney produced Mulan. That's sort of so, how Six Degrees of Separation works. <laughs> yeah, we make the rules. Whatever, I pass. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, it's going to be a lot easier now. You'll just be able to say, Jamie Foxx is in Disney's Marvel's Spider-Man, <laughs> and they are also the owners of Mulan. So, um, wow, those are the kind of hard-hitting analyses that we have on this podcast. Yeah, so this is the second part of our Mulan uh, exploration Mulan, uh, Project Explore Mulan 2020 is what it's called. It really rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it really is. Uh, In which Shalila watched Mulan, the animated film, for the first time a couple weeks ago. And we did our podcast on that in preparation for both of us watching the live action Mulan. So we've both now seen the live action Mulan. We've both obviously seen the animated Mulan. You can go listen to our episode on that if you're curious about our thoughts on that. Big picture, we liked it, the, the animated one. Uh, so Shalila, big picture, how did you feel about this one? Oh man. Well, it's not that positive. It's not, it's not very positive. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think the movie was just immensely boring. I found it just so very dull, very difficult to grab your attention. I haven't really sat with it for a long time, but I'm guessing that it's down to the fact that they tried so hard to be realistic that it got really fucking boring. <laughs> it just it just became so boring that I did not want to see the next scene because I simply did not care. And I, that's just amazing for a story like Mulan. Like, why? How bad? How boring do you have to make it where the viewer does not want to see what's in the next scene? <sighs> I was also very confused a lot of the time watching it. Still am a little bit. I'm hoping at the end of this I will be a little less confused. But I was I was basically just a little confused and a little, little bored. And then the movie kept going, and then it kept going, and I kept pausing it. And finally I finished <laughs> it. I'm still devoid of any emotion. And that's how I feel. So I think I'm with you big picture. Uh, I will offer this possible difference, and or maybe this is just more of a, since I've had a little more time, I saw it the day after it came out, so I've had a little more time to sit with it, although I also haven't watched it as recently as you. So, but here's what I'll offer as my like little deviation here. I also think it was terribly boring. Um, but to me, that it, that I think that's actually its sort of greatest crime to me is that it is boring because, I don't know if you agree with this, but I felt like it had the potential to be something very good. And that always makes me more upset. As in, like, I could sort of see it. In a lot of this movie, there's, like, little moments where I was like, oh, great, we're finally going. Like, we're kicking it up. I get it now. Some really beautiful cinematography, really interesting, like, aesthetic and, like, tone work as opposed to sort of uh, more what I would think of as, like, traditional work. Um, uh, An amazing cast. Like, a just stacked cast. Uh... And then it's just boring. So, like, that, I think that's what made me more upset is that I would have liked this movie more if it had been a straight-up mess. Uh, 
from start to finish and it didn't really try. And I think like my best comparison, I really think about all these movies together in a sense, like the live action Disney's and you and I have talked about that a little bit. The way I would have preferred this if it was uh, Maleficent 2, which we have brought up a lot on this podcast because it is baffling, but I had a good time watching it, a better time watching it than I did this one because it's just so weird. And it, it not for a second, did any of it seem like a safe or like a, a choice that I was like, who, who on any earth would decide that this is the way to go? And that's what made it so interesting is you're like, not sure what's going to happen next. It's pretty entertaining. This one was just so boring and it had all of these great elements that just never went anywhere. And I think that's what really bothered me. Yeah. I think I, I didn't feel that sense of potential so much while I was watching it. I think it's kind of my own mistake there. I was just pausing it so very much that nothing really got through to me. And I, I probably should rewatch it just to, to just even simply to have watched it within the same 24-hour period. Um, right. But I did, I did feel um, some of that potential during the action scenes. When action was happening, I felt like this could have been if campy, still a very enjoyable movie, um, if the rest of it had been as exciting as some of the action was. But I didn't really feel any sense of soaring adrenaline <laughs> at any other point during the movie. And I, I also think that was just an immense loss. It's just very sad for a movie like this. No, I think that I think that makes sense. I I don't know what I'd like to to hear is like what you think is sort of the or maybe one of several like core problems. Like in other words, why did it not feel like, why didn't they have anything to offer? Like what was sort of the fundamental issue there? I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was that I was under the impression when this movie was first being talked about, they were really adamant about it being nothing like the animated movie. And they were really adamant about like, we are going to do a faithful adaptation of the source material, like the original myth and it is going to be very, very um, authentic, I guess, for lack of a better word. Although, you know, always holding that in, in some cynicism because of the company doing it and, and other motivations. And I understand that. But um, nonetheless, like they really talked about that. And, and I remember people on the Internet being really upset because they were like, oh, there's no Mushu. There's no songs. There's no Shang because those aren't present. And everyone freaked out. And... I went kind of the other direction. I was like, this is actually exciting because we had that already. I want to see something else. The end product felt like they kind of backpedaled a little bit. And I think that's one of the big issues with it to me is they didn't seem like they could figure out whether or not they wanted to remake Mulan or whether or not they wanted to make a movie about the Chinese myth Mulan. And they like hodgepodged it in a way that I just didn't really feel like it went together ever. Um... I think like a, a tangible way to feel that is in the music. There's moments that I really liked where they basically take the, they take like reflection essentially and they string it out a little bit and they sort of change it. And it's, it's interesting to hear that come in, but then there's other moments where they're clearly playing the Mulan music without the, the lyrics and it kind of distracts where you're like, well, this isn't really the reason well, why would this song be here? Like, and you can't help but like be thinking of the lyrics in your head while it's happening. And, I, I guess that only really applies to people that had seen the original. And maybe that's an important thing to note here is if that's not who the intended audience is, that's fine. But I don't know. I, I, that to me felt like its biggest issue. I think if I have to pick one thing right out of the gate is it did not feel like they had a handle on what they were really, were they remaking or were they 
rebooting, I guess, for lack of a better word? Uh, are they just making a new version of the Mulan myth, or are they remaking Disney's 1998 Mulan? And I don't think they figured it out by the end. I actually didn't know that they were intending to to actively stray away from the original, so it's good to know because I fully agree with you. Knowing that, I, th- I think it was a weird jumble of the two. Definitely weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you can almost sense it in certain scenes. Like you watch a scene and you're like, it's like they're trying really hard to hold on, but also to let go and they're struggling. Yeah, exactly. And like they couldn't quite figure out what to do with it. And that's like, so for example, this is sort of a small one. And I I don't think this is necessarily that important, but it's a, a good example of like, wait, why is this here? One of the characters name in this movie is Cricket. And he's based on Cricky, the actual Cricket from the animated movie, who is not at all a component uh, like a, an important component of the myth. So like, but why? Like, I just, I, again, like sort of that question of why? Who cares? Like, it didn't, it didn't really do anything. I, I don't know. I'm just, that that was sort of like a weird little example of why on earth would you put that in there? I don't understand why that was important. No, it was weird. I, I felt the same way with the matchmaker scene where it's like, it, it felt like in the middle of a movie that was very different at that time than the original, they were like, we're going to do a weird remake of the scene almost exactly, but instead of Cricky, there's going to be a spider. And it's like, but like, why? <laughs> just make it just make it completely different. Do something else that, that you know, just show, show her disappointing the tradition in the sense of, you know, whatever it takes to impress the matchmaker in a different way. Even if you need it to be like physical slapstick humor, like it doesn't need to be a bug jumps out. Like, you just do something else. It felt like felt like they were trying really hard i don't know i agree no i i think you're really like you're exactly right i i um there my issues with this movie began in literally the first scene but i feel the same way okay good i i don't think that it was i wasn't off the train until the matchmaking scene that was the one where i was like oh no we're in trouble um that was another example of even unrelated to the original movie this movie just had weird tone bounces that it couldn't figure like so much of this movie is a, a like they're getting close to like kind of deeper, more dramatic wuxia style movies. Um, very interesting, very like, very atmospheric, very sort of like uh, moody in an interesting way. Yes. And then other times it's like, let's do the little bit from the first Spider-Man movie, Tobey Maguire, <laughs> and have her catch everything because that's funny. <laughs> Is it? Right. <laughs> and is that important at all to the left? I don't... Yeah, it, it just... I don't know. The the tone issues were so weird. And I, what I think is interesting is you and I were literally just talking about this in the animated one, about how Mushu in the animated one provides these tonal differences that feel like they shouldn't work, but they largely do. They gave you like a palate cleanser and they worked to highlight those other scenes. Here, it didn't feel like it worked at all. It, it just felt like it detracted and, and caused this like whiplash feeling. Yeah, I finally come up with two tangible issues that I have with this movie. Wonderful. I this is this has been my twenty minutes of reflection time since again I just finished watching it and I got I figured it out. Okay, here's my two issues. One of them is um, related to the fact that this movie is boring. It's just that um, it felt like this weird deliberate attempt to suck all the joy out of the movie and. We we've essentially been talking about this this entire time, but just it's just it was just not fun. Like the entire matchmaker scene, I didn't smile once, didn't find it funny, didn't find it enjoyable, didn't find it exciting at all, and that's just very telling. Um, I thought there was just so much vibrance in the original that 
I know that they're not trying to re remake the scenes from the original, but I don't think that they should have lost the vibrance. I don't think that the story makes any sense without any excitement and any you know just 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 sense a sense of something unexpected happening. Um, just the way the way in which like there's so many exciting ways to portray um, character growth and and uh, somebody saying something surprising and somebody coming out of nowhere that were just done in such a boring way. Like they, they'd have a character literally d disappear into the fog or appear from the mist, and it's like you could have just done that in a more exciting way. Like everything that they did felt like they wrote down from the most fantastical way to portray it down to the most boring and generic way to portray it and then they picked the most boring way just every scene was just so just so drab it just felt like they were trying to force you it felt like one of those try not to laugh challenges but like the opposite like every every right. scene i was just so was just so annoyed that it, there was just no vibrant storytelling and i'm not i'm not even talking color like this was obviously there were beautiful colors in this movie um, I just just mean that it felt like a deliberate attempt to to prove that I, I, um, like live action can't be as gripping as animation or something, which is it's not true. It just felt like they were trying really hard to argue that. And I I I remembered um, what you were saying about um, when you were watching the original as a kid and you found the scene with reflection just kind of boring, even though it was a beautiful yep. song because just kind of nothing was happening. It was that feeling, but the whole movie. That's how I felt. And it was just right. felt like such an insult to a beautiful and, and exciting also you're, movie. You're like an adult. So right. <laughs> like in other words, if you feel that way about the scene now, that's a problem. Like I felt about it as a child because I wasn't like a well-developed yet watching movies, appreciating them child who just wanted to see, you know, Mulan hit stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. So I have a, I have a tangible example of that, that I think uh, I have two issues with it, but I, I want to bring this up as a, I think a good piece of evidence for exactly what you're talking about. I don't, I don't want to spoil a bunch of this movie because it's currently out, sort of. I don't know how to describe something as being out right now, but it's out. Uh, and I guess I'm going to consider it being out and not spoiled until it hits Disney Plus for free, sort of. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. The point is, there's some things in here that I don't want to spoil. But one thing I don't think is a spoiler because it's in the trailers is that Mushu is not in this movie. However, the role of the Guardian is present and it is a phoenix. Uh and I want to use this as an example of what you're talking about, because I think the Phoenix is one of the single most boring parts of this entire film. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it comes about even from the introductory scene. And I want to compare that to what we were just talking about with the animated. The animated one has that sort of interesting uh, bait and switch, right? Where the, the guardians are talking about sending someone to help Mulan and they're going to summon the great guardian and you meet Mushu, and if you haven't seen the trailers, you don't know anything about it. He's just like this sort of unseeming little uh, ancestral spirit thing. And he is sent to wake up the Great Guardian. And, you know, in this sort of moment of like, oh, man, we're going to see the big cool dragon or whatever. He, of course, ends up bumbling it. And a little, like, gecko-sized Mushu has to go off and try to help Mulan. And the whole movie, there's just these kind of, like, interesting little bait and switches, even when he introduces himself to Mulan. There's like that that big sort of dramatic moment where he has his giant shadow and then it turns out it's just him with a leaf and things that are very humorous, but are also very entertaining. This movie, her dad goes and talks to uh uh goes and talks to the statue and is like, hey, go help my daughter. And then there's just a phoenix. Like there's like and, and the first time that you see it. 
it's just kind of wheeling around in the middle of a very boring looking canyon that doesn't have any defining feature other than not being very big because I'm assuming it was not shot on location and was instead some kind of a green screener set. And then it just sort of like flies out through this little pathway. And that's the Phoenix. And that's its entire introduction. Like there's no, there was no buildup to it. And because there's no buildup, there's no sense of importance that it's actually being seen. Even Mulan seems bored by it. Like she can see this thing that I'm presuming is like a big deal. Like you're literally seeing this mythical creature, how we think of a mythical creature, and two, your ancestral guardian. And when she sees it, she's like, ah, the phoenix. And then she walks forward. <laughs> and like she never really, I, I just, again, I'm like what the, where's the rest of it? I don't understand. Um, so I just want to use that as an example of like, uh, of sort of what you're getting out of, that seemed like such an easy win. And instead, every scene the Phoenix is in feels like it's being undercut in a way of like, this feel this feels like it's supposed to be this moment of grandeur and wonder, and it's not. It's a moment of, here's something boring. Uh, and this is what I want to mention as the part two to this. I think one of the reasons it's boring is because it is... I don't want to say poorly CGI'd because I don't, I'm not a CGI artist. Like I, this is not like a remark on, I'm not trying to, uh, 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 criticize or, or, you know, slander the work of definitely overworked and underpaid digital artists, since that is a very common and rampant issue in Hollywood. Uh, it's aesthetic makeup is utterly boring. And this is where like, I, it looks exactly like the animals from fantastic beasts. For anybody who's seen that movie, it looks identical. And this is like an aesthetic that has just come about in the last decade or so where everything kind of looks like the animals from Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> They're all kind of whirly. They're all kind of fluid in a way that is completely unnatural. So it goes against what they're trying to get at, I think. They look very fake in like a in a way that might work in a video game. It might work really well in a video game, but it doesn't. It just doesn't click on screen at all. Uh, and I don't understand why they did it. So that's my, that's sort of my second tie to that is I think it would have been a lot more, any of it would have been more interesting to look at. It would have been a lot less boring if you at least wanted to look at what you were looking at and you kind of don't. You know what else is a letdown? The scene when they discover that the, one of the battalions has been completely, you know, annihilated, and everybody is is died, and it's all it's all in, in ashes and flames. Um, it looked really bad. What a truly terrible scene! It's <laughs> just a bad scene. It's not just bad compared to how shocking yeah. and, and absorbing it was in the original. It's just straight up bad in general. What a really it just, bad. It just took the entire shock value away. There was a moment where I was watching, and I was like, "What? What, what happened? Oh, it's that! Right, 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 right." I'm with you, and 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 I don't know if you noticed that in particular, but I honestly think that's one of the worst looking scenes of the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I, I couldn't really it figure out why. Not, like, it's it was not great. It seems pretty clear. It's not like a like a like even like a like a prop set. Like it, it definitely looks like it was completely rendered, and not in a good way. I don't know if that, and it's so confusing because that's a really important moment in the original movie, and it should be in this one. Right. Uh, and my God, is it bad looking? Right, yeah. looks bad. Doesn't doesn't really convey anything emotionally, story wise. Kind of did nothing. Yep, I'm with you. Oh, what else? What else do we? I, I don't want us to. We're, we're always very negative, so I want us to have positives too. I want us to end positively. So, 
before we get to our our positive endings, which I'll warn you now is not a lot. Uh, <laughs> I will say again, I want to couch this as like I don't think I hated it. No. I was just very disappointed by it. Uh, but um, yeah, what? Give me another one. What? What? What other issues did you have with this? Right. Okay. Here's my. Here's an issue I have with the characterization of Mulan. Um, I thought that. Um, so we've talked about this when we talked about the original. We talked about how um, one of our sort of issues, but mostly just something I guess we're still processing with the original, is that um, it doesn't necessarily give her a chance to grow so much as, you know, she she goes through some stuff and she learns more about the world around her. And uh, that's, that's a lesson in itself, just learning about stuff. She doesn't necessarily evolve into a whole new person. Um, but that's fine, you know. Uh, we do see her go through a lot and, and come out with diff- a different understanding of how she sees herself, a different understanding of how she sees family, how her family sees her, how the world sees her. And, and having all that perspective is essentially what the story that she went through in the original um, gives her in the end. So it's, it's a lot of perspective and you can presume that naturally she comes out physically stronger, emotionally stronger, but she will pass to the end of the story and go forward to, to continue to grow with that perspective, right? And that's great. Um, I think that's 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 fine. That's, that's interesting and uh, perspective is a very important thing to gain. Um, and my issue is that at least in that movie, she was essentially an ordinary if you know scrappy and courageous young girl who ah. goes through an extraordinary journey yep. to then come out with a lot of perspective and, and and bravery and and you know a once in a lifetime kind of experience that is not the mulan that's in this movie the mulan nope. in this movie is the chosen one she the is a harry potter she yep. start yes she is she's is literally yep. ray jumping on the the roof she can she she's got chi aka um, jedi powers um yep. not chi the way that it should be actually portrayed probably again i don't really fully understand the concept but did not really hit home for me um she's got her you know her powers she's a jedi she has she can she can harness the force or whatever it is and the whole movie is just about how it's not about how she has stuff has to grow or has to learn about herself it's just about the fact that she's hiding her powers the entire time and then the equivalent of the like climbing the tower scene in in the original where they you know she she has those two weights and she uses her brains and she figured not only does she get physically stronger like they're all training as as soldiers but she figures out the tactic you know like wrap those weights around and climb and there's some there's some stuff there some growing to be done the equivalent here is she just climbs the stairs like everybody with the heavy buckets of water and instead instead of growing into a stronger person she just decides to stop hiding the fact that she could do it all along like there is no Right. Growth. She just this uses the force. Story is her exactly is her her just yep. using the force and her having been born extraordinary and everybody in the neighborhood looking at her and going oh my god this woman is amazing this girl is amazing she's she's chaotic but she's amazing and that's it what's up with yep. that I don't I didn't like that at all I really just didn't understand why it needed to be a superhero movie where she was the only woman who can do it and then every other woman like it, it felt I even got the sense from the end of the movie when. They kind of all got really cool with her being a woman very fast. Like everybody was like, oh, you're a woman. That apart from the original scene, the first one where she gets kicked out of the army. That makes sense. She broke a rule. Um, But as soon as she, you know, defeats the army and everything, they're like, oh, oh, my God, we're all feminists now. You mean when she she walks back into the camp, right? 
she walks back yes. in and she's like, hey, you should all come with me. And every soldier's yes. like, ah, oh, man, you're totally right. Five minutes ago, we weren't on board, I but now we are. <laughs> exactly. And now we're all feminists. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, even at the end when they're like, when they're all like, yep. here, we must come to give you this, this gift. And everyone's like, wow, of course. Like not one person was like, no, that's not, that's not how stuff works. <laughs> that's yep. not how this works. Um, because again, she's the chosen one. And there is my issue with this darn movie. She doesn't figure out anything or get smarter or get better, which is fine. I mean, I, my issue is not that she didn't improve. You don't have to improve, whatever. It's just that this was about her being powerful all along. It's not a story about growing in any form. Which fundamentally changes the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think I'm with you like on that being one of the true fundamental problems is that this is not, if, if again, like if they're remaking it, uh, if they're remaking a movie about the myth and they want to have her be super great, I guess, I don't particularly enjoy it, but go for it. But they didn't. They halfway made the original Mulan movie. And that movie, very integrally, is that she's not that special. <laughs> because the <laughs> whole concept at the end of the movie, like you said last time, the whole concept is he the, the dad tells you at the end of the movie, like, the greatest honor is having you as a daughter, right? Like, the whole conceit of it is that she's not that special of an individual. She's just extremely herself. And that there is a great honor in knowing someone who's extremely themselves and having them mm -hmm. in your life and being able to be yourself, right? Classic Disney narrative. And in this one, it's that she's Superman. Like, it's just a fundamentally different concept, which means none of the things that happen that they're trying to remake make any sense in relation to having the same narrative at the end. Like, you can't end the movie with the same theme, which they tried to do, if your character is a completely different person. And she yeah. is. Like, I, I just, that that fact alone, uh, it's essentially, it's, it's almost like a, a real light remake of Hercules at the same time. And I, I don't, I'm not, why? I don't know. That really bothered me as well. I don't, I am never going to be a person who complains about superhero movies, but it's also because I generally enjoy the themes and the reason for that genre trope because they're typically interesting meditations on power. This movie was not. Like, it didn't, I don't, uh, I got nothing. I don't really know what it was getting at with her having these superpowers. Um, other characters had them, like, to varying degrees, but they don't ever really talk about it beyond her. Like, not in an important way. Uh, the villain has them, but... Never in a way that CB again not like important. So I don't know why they're there. Right. She also defeats yeah. um, Bori Khan in about like two seconds, right? Yeah, it's that, not that entire hard. scene is just oh, it turns out I was great at this and did you know die? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just so yeah, it was the, so quick. The a visual thing I hated from that scene was the um, she's having a hard time defeating him due to I don't know why because not a lot is actually that clear. And then there's a shot where the phoenix appears behind her, a la Daenerys Targaryen in the final season of Game of Thrones, and its <laughs> wings extend behind her so that she has the phoenix wings. And after yes. that happens, Mulan looks up and then can do stuff. But there's no connection between why she couldn't do stuff to why then she could do stuff at all. Uh, I'm assuming something got cut. It's the best I got. Like something yeah, must have actually, happened. It actually makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there was something there was something there and they were like, nah, this will really slow it down. Yeah. All of a sudden <laughs> they said she about could just this do movie. it because of a shot. 
nothing nothing happens to her it's literally just like the 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 that's it so yeah that whole final sequence is also it's set in an abandoned not abandoned but like still being built palace there's like nothing interesting to look at it's just scaffolding it's bamboo scaffolding over a not very big forge that has molten i'm assuming metal what not even that big like i mean like a normal sized person's forge (laughs) <laughs> why small. it is small why is that the final set piece this movie is full <laughs> of beautiful set pieces and for the final battle they basically chose like a building that's just a quarter of the way done who cares <laughs> yeah it looks terrible it doesn't look good it's not it's not arresting at all <laughs> no yeah that's exactly what i'm getting at like why that then versus again like let's uh, and and i think this is one of those few cases where i think it is fair to compare I think it's fair to compare hard because they really marketed this as a remake. And if it's going to be a remake of Mulan, then you you need to be able to hold up to comparisons. The finale of the animated one is on, A, it's on rooftops. And those rooftops are set against a nighttime celebration festival. So there's just like a lot going on. There's a lot of light and color. And there's the fireworks show after, Mulan, uh, after Mushu sets it off. And just things that are actually interesting to look at. And this one is set in, I don't know, like 3.30 in the afternoon on an overcast day in a quarter-finished <laughs> building. Who cares? Uh, so confusing. It's not, it's not great. It's not exciting at all. No. And, and I, I think you, you really like touched on that with a lot of this, I think. I thought the same thing about when she enters the camp for the first time. The camp itself is so boring yeah. to look at. And her exposure to that world doesn't register as alien as it did in the animated because the world that she came from was more fleshed out and was more complex. So because of that, it kind of looks like she went from a place that had a thriving market, lots of people living in this sort of, I I don't know, there must be an actual word for these things. I don't know what they are, but these sort of like large roundhouse style communities. Yeah. Where everyone's sort of living in one big walled, almost like gazebo. Um, and then she leaves and goes to a very boring looking army camp, which I guess I, I sort of, I mean, I can't imagine most army camps look interesting. So fair, I suppose, but a, it's not interesting to look at B when she gets inside of it, it's the only difference is that now there's just more men, but otherwise it seems very normal ish because of what we just saw. So there's no sense of like, wow, this is such an interesting and strange and alien thing to look at. It's just a, here's Mulan who just walked through a boring looking canyon into a bunch of drab tents and is now meeting people. And this is not that big of a deal, but this bothered me. Meeting people whose names you don't get. They never introduce Ling, Yao, Chenpo, or Cricket. I checked. Like they don't. There's not like a classic character scene where they're like, and who are you? And he's like, my name's Yao. They, it just comes up in the dialogue. But it's so fast that I couldn't track who was who. It took me a while to figure out like, who is the Ling comparison? Like, I don't know because I'm not, it's not that clear to me right now. It's also, it's also a pity because a lot of the important scenes in the movie where you see her becoming fully herself and embracing her powers and, you know, going full Jedi, um, she, portrays that by either you know defeating the enemy or saving her her fellow soldiers and the rest of the battalion um and then it's a pity because at no point do they make you care about any of the people in 
you know, the army. Like, you don't, you don't really meet them, like you said. You don't really get their names. Um, the, the, they don't really, in any form, really put across them getting close or not even getting close or becoming friendly, but them kind of nope. understanding that they have the same, they're having the same experience, they're all kind of terrified and thrown into the deep end, and they're all, in some senses, scared of, you know, being discovered for who they are, at least, I mean, not so much, to, you know, the way Mulan is, but they're all kind of a little bit out of their depth and, and terrified yep. of what they've jumped into and, and you know they're all there because because they have to be and you know there's that that's I think that sense of camaraderie and hey we're all in this together and it's terrifying but we've got each other we may not get along but we've come to understand each other was was put across so much better in the first one in the first one that's an insult in the original um <laughs> where especially throughout um what is it I'll make a man out of you that song where yep. you kind of just see over the course of the song um, in their physical synchronicity that they've kind of come to just just to understand each other, right? Even yeah. if, you know, sometimes yeah. they joke and whatever they do. But there's just something about how, all right, you go up, okay, I'll do this. Ha ha, I like how you did that. You can kind of get that little, like, sense of how they play off each other and yeah. that they've come to, to be some kind of community. And then you, that's why you care if any of them die or who saves who. But in this movie, you just don't care. Yeah, I was going to say, without giving away kind of what might be the biggest, I don't know, almost twist of the movie there is a character that dies and i couldn't even i didn't even know who it was until i sort of was like okay wait let me run through who was even in the scene because <laughs> you're just they're so unimportant and they don't spend any time making you feel like they're important so why do i care um yeah i'm with you it's it's that's what i mean so many things that are like they're almost there the building blocks are there but nobody put them together and i don't really know why um right I thought some of the action was actually fairly interesting. Some of it was very boring. Again, something I couldn't quite figure out. Some of it is like dabbling and interesting wuxia. Like I think for most like American audiences, probably the most accessible are the the Jet Li movies um, or probably for, you know, like dramatic purposes, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon from Ang Lee. Getting close to that kind of that idea and that genre and very interesting, uh, certainly different looking choreographed combat. And then other scenes are just so simple, boring, modern uh, action. Like, and and I don't even mean good. I just mean like like low rate. I mean, which seems confusing in this era of uh, are the John Wick guys busy? You couldn't have hired them for two days. I don't know. Like just uh, anything. Like you know, it, we, we're like are people we're not at falling no... at your feet asking to do the action movies in the new Mulan by Disney? It's hard to believe. We have so many good action movies now. And what I mean good, I mean not just entertaining, but like really interestingly choreographed, alternative, very different from sort of their 80s predecessors, which are the sort of lingering mm -hmm. weight. And none of that's there. It's just kind of bland. And I, again, so confusing. Um, something we haven't touched on that I would like to hear your thoughts on is Gong Li's character. Uh, I have no idea what her name is. Uh, but she is a witch, and she is the the ally of Bori Khan, who is this movie's version of Shan Yu, and she is his falcon, I guess, is essentially the comparison there. Right. Um, what is going on with her? I, I could not figure out for the life of Man, me what I her role in this movie was. She's often put up like she's supposed to be the foil to Mulan, of like, oh, well, she's a Jedi who can actually use all of her powers. 
So that's really cool. Like, in other words, Bori Khan's super great for letting that happen. And look how powerful she is. And like, look how free she is. And then there's these weird scenes that seem, they cut very weird. I, I'm not convinced there's not a lot that was taken out for her. Where yeah. she like admits to him. She's like, oh, I understand I'm your slave. I was like, what? How has that been made clear to us at all? You seem incredibly powerful and mostly free. I don't understand what's going, like, what are you talking about? She's the one that he like sends, like, you know, he sends the rest of his army to go take care of Camp A and Camp B, he sends her. Like, I, right. I'm so confused as to what her role as the foil is. What is she supposed to represent that Mulan is supposed to learn? I didn't understand that at all. And she also is very into Mulan throughout the movie. Like, she's very like, she kind of talks with her one-on-one and like really tries to like, I don't know, convert her? I, I, did, I truly did not understand what her point was in relation to Mulan. No, it was weird. I, I here's, here's what I would love to tell the people who wrote this movie. I'd love to sit them down and tell them that if you have one scene, one time where you have one line of dialogue that says something and you think that that is what comprises a theme in a movie... That doesn't do anything. You have to actually hammer home a thing if you want it to be a theme. You can't just say a theme and then it becomes a theme. And then it is and the I'm theme, saying right? that because there's this one scene where she's talking, like you were saying, with uh, an evil guy, Bori Khan. Bori Khan. Yeah. Um, Right, and they're sitting and uh, somewhere, and and she's like, you know, I understand. Um, I, you know, I'm second to you, or whatever. And essentially, he says something like, "Don't forget, everyone thinks you're weird." But in my world, you won't be weird. And then, like, the scene cuts or something. And that's yeah. the entire explanation we're supposed to get to yep. understand that apparently, I guess, the reason she's following any of his instructions, which still still is very, it's kind of hard to believe why she would do that yep. when she's immensely powerful and could probably, like, snap her fingers and end this guy um, yes. or anybody. <laughs> but I guess we're supposed to believe that, like, she truly thinks he's going to be the new emperor and that she just wants to be accepted in society. But first off, first off, what? Second, um, I don't know. That that wasn't... I'm, like, I'm, I'm nitpicking to understand that. Like, it, it wasn't really... Hammered home. So anyway, I, I also have issues with with just why she was allied to this guy in the first place. Um, but I think more I that that I just have a straight up negative view of. I don't understand it. Um, but I think I have a more complex view, like you said, like you were probably hinting at of just a characterization in general. It's like she's like the dark Spider Man. <laughs> it's like who are you? I'm right. you, but more right. interesting. You know? Exactly. Very interesting. Like there's definitely but I something don't know there. Why. I agree with you. I feel like they cut a lot of stuff out and it ended up really not making much sense because they only left in this, the really obvious scenes, the ones where it's like you, then you'll die not knowing who you are, embrace who you are. And she's like, oh damn, I should, I should let my hair down or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but they left out all the rest. What is the rest? There's got to be more. Yep. I, I'm with you. Um, there, there are also these little moments. I think some of the, what you just said of like, they say a thing and that's the theme. There are these little moments that are very prevalent that feel like they're supposed to be about the theme. And then they ultimately, I don't know what they end up actually saying. So the one that really <laughs> sticks out to me is when she, there is a portion of the movie in which she and the witch fight one-on-one uh, -on -one, and I don't really understand why it's there, to be totally honest. But the witch just, you know, kicks her ass because, of course. And she throws this, like, throwing knife at her. And it stabs Mulan in the chest. And for no viewer did they think for one second she was in trouble. But whatever. I was actually confused because I thought it, it was so obvious to me that she wasn't dead. 
I was confused why the witch left. It's like, I don't really understand why she would even take off. Is she secretly on her side? Very confused. Anyway, Mulan gets up and she's like, oh, I'm alive. Crazy. And she opens up her little tunic and she has like the binding that she's been using in order to, I assume, bind her breasts so that it right, is like passes masculine. I masculine, I'm assuming. Uh, and she, the, the knife has like split that. So she looks at it and she takes it off in this really like sort of dramatic moment. But what I couldn't figure out for the life of me was, what are they getting at with this? Because she takes it off in this like, finally I am unburdened moment. Except that it's also the thing that saved her. So like in most movies, like that trope is like the, oh, you're the father that you have problems with gave you a wristwatch and you hate it, but you have it in your chest pocket at all times. And then at the end of the movie, you get shot and the bullet hits the watch. Like, what are they? Is the binding good or is it? Bad. Like, I couldn't figure out for the life of me because of right, the tropes the they're using. All over the place. What is the message then? Is it that this was actually fine the whole time and it served a purpose and it allowed her to survive, but now she can do it? Or I truly don't get it. I don't get why they focused on it being the thing that protected her if it's not actually going to mean anything, as opposed to just literally anything else. Like, she didn't die because of her force powers. I would have been like, great, fine, whatever. <laughs> but I just right, don't. right, sure. <laughs> What's the point of the binding then? Very, th- there's a lot of little moments like that that I don't understand. I also, I also, I, I see. Here's the thing. I don't know honestly whether I prefer that she, in this movie she sort of. I don't know if it's so much of her own volition or having listened to the voice of the witch or whatever it is, but less, you know, coerced into revealing that she's a woman versus in the original when it's kind of like oh, she had no choice the woman was in a medical camp and we all found out um but i don't know whether you know whether i prefer one or the other in terms of the reveal that she's a woman and her fighting as a woman or anything i think i have to sit with that for some time but i do have an issue with the fact that she like opens her eyes you know that that whole scene with the binding happens and then she looks at her sword one of the characters on her sword symbolizes truth and she's she's like ah truth you know i must tell my truth and be a woman but that's like not the point at all like she's always that doesn't make any sense like that's like truth doesn't just mean tell the truth that's not what the truth symbol on the sword is about in the grand scheme of family and honor and tradition in the movie truth is not literally like never tell a lie um also if that was true she's known that character has been on the sword the whole time like her father she idolizes her dad she idolizes her father's you know veteran status and his sword and there's no way that like that just made no sense to me like truth is is not it's not about like not like lying about your gender to to save the kingdom it's like living you know like the fact that she's doing this like in the army to save her father is her truth like she's doing what she was destined to by disguising herself and by revealing herself and thus getting kicked out that's not the truth like that would like i don't it just yep. made no sense i'm like truth doesn't literally mean like tell your mother that you stole like a cookie from the fridge like that's, it just made no yeah. sense to me like that was, that was just a weird moment to yourself like the concept of the first one and every other Disney yes. like yeah so that was, that, was, that was weird. I didn't I didn't understand that. I, I think I could sit with Very that longer confusing. because there's probably something empowering in the fact that she got her own opportunity to like fight as a woman. And obviously, you know, it was if a little Mary Sue-ish, it was a cool scene. It was great. You know, she fights, she's free and she can whatever. But it was just, 
I don't know what was up with that truth thing. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, if it, if you wanted it to be like, oh, she needed a push, then just say that the witch pushed her to do it. Just say that the witch whispered in her ear, which she did, that you should, you should not die in a lie. And then have her do right. that. I don't know. It was weird. I want to quickly cover something that uh, I, the, the reason I want to talk about this is it's very weird for me to feel this in general. I'm, uh, I, okay, I don't like Boricon. There's the big, big overall thing. Didn't like <laughs> Boricon very much. Um, mostly because I just think he's very boring. Uh, he also has force powers. I, boring. I don't con. know. It's just so sorry. not that interesting. Yeah. There you go. Boring con. Nice. Uh, you got him. Um, it's just again kind of boring like but here's what i want to get at as to why it's boring and this is what i think is unique in general my issue with movies in which there is a very like a villain like in the true sense of the word villain not like a just an antagonist is that we don't know enough about their motivations so they're just this sort of unnatural force of evil um which is it can be fine it can be interesting it works in Lots of cases and lots of famous movies. That's fine. But in general, I want a little more. This is one of the cases where I think it had the exact opposite effect. We learned more about him. And as a result, it's almost like a slippery slope problem. One of the reasons I love Sean Yu, and we talked about this last episode, is he kind of reminds me of like, almost like the shark from Jaws or like the alien. Like, from Alien. Like, the first time you see him, he appears in the shadows, lit up by this torch. And what I think is my favorite scene of the whole movie. And he tells the soldier, like, I want you to go tell your emperor I'm here. And it's this deeply, like, frightening sort of scene that, again, is in the dark. I don't know why this movie hated nighttime. Everything is at 3 <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. And it's, it's, it's frightening. And other than that, you don't really see him very much. You see him there. You see him a couple times kind of watching from afar. And then, of course, you get to that final sort of the climactic scene where you finally get to see Sean Yu for all he is with this massive sort of military force coming down over a pass headed toward the Imperial City. And, and Mulan shuts that all down. And then, of course, you see him again as sort of that scary, almost assassin mode back in the Imperial City. All very scary, intimidating, but he's used sparingly. And his motivations are never known. Ever. He's just like, I want to kill the Emperor. I'm going to be in charge of China now. I'm Scary Shan Yu. And I think it works because it makes him, it makes him very inhuman. And there might be problems with this that are very, we could have lots of interesting discussions about that. But what I think it successfully serves is that it makes him this force of terror that she can't really Mulan cannot like grasp. It's very clear that the the military can't grasp. They just can't get their hands around it until she's able to kind of take him on one on one. In this movie, they give him all kinds of things. Like his dad died. There's mm. like a. I mean, it's more historical, and I get that. There's like a, a long history of these uh, step tribes that are invading, and and they failed the last time, and now he's got to cover his dad's dynasty and his his legacy and all this crap. The problem with that to me is that as they fed me a little bit, I started to want more of like, well, then what the hell is the emperor doing? Like another like, all right, well, where, why are the military so spread out then? Or like, you know, why? I don't know. How did you guys manage to come back so quickly if your dad just died recently? Like things that aren't important, but because they're bringing them up and they're showing me like a tribal council scene in which these various generals are voting for him and... and I can't help but sit there and go, well, why are they voting for him? <laughs> like, what, what, right. what makes him interesting? As opposed to just make him a looming 
presence. Make him a monster, not a, a, a tangible villain, not a Marvel villain. I don't need to know right, his like whole his, his sheer savagery of ferocity is the terror. Yeah. 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 And instead it was more, I, there were moments in this movie, especially when you just brought up with the witch, that came off more of a, is he the bad guy? Like, part of me says this seems like a step people that are probably been displaced by the emperor and his massive military and trade routes. And there's a witch that's like, hey, it'd be really great if I could live for, am I supposed to be rooting for you? You know, like, I'm confused as to, maybe he's not the bad guy? And that's not what you want from this movie. Like, there should oh, be no... no moral complexity it should just be i'm the bad guy you gotta stop me and i didn't like that so that again just sort of little things that were almost like overthought or i don't know yeah no i i completely agree i i when i first was trying to figure out his vibe as the, the villain i initially thought it was more of like a melisandre situation where he was getting his strength physically or something from the witch lady which is why they were so mm. bonded together i thought it was oh, some kind sure. of like literal witchery situation um and i don't know there's probably some like shadow babies involved or something you know i just thought there was something a little darker or something That's where they depended on each other <laughs> right, where I, and then it, then it was just not that, and then it just turned out to be like a Mandarin from Iron Man situation. And I don't know. It was yeah. just it was very yeah, yeah. it was very weird. I, that's what I thought it was going to be, though. I legitimately thought it was going to be like they because they went from like scary villain to like shadow villain, but even the shadow villain really didn't have much going for her, and then switched sides at the drop of a hat. So it was just it felt like a like an X Men apocalypse vibe where the villain is just yep. like nothing, which is is baffling. Um, but no, I'm with you. Do we want to try saying things that we liked? <laughs> yeah, I I have one, I I do I have one last issue I want to bring up, and I, the I, the reason I want to bring it up is I think it's really important to what you had previously said about the 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 issue with this movie not understanding what truth was, like what does that actually mean to the point of the movie. I want to bring up the very end of this movie because it is very different in one really key important way from the original Mulan movie. So at the end of this movie, she goes in front of the Emperor and the Emperor's like, hey, I want to make you head of the Jedi. And she says, no, I don't want that. And the reason she says she doesn't want it is different than in the original, where in the original, she's like, I got to go back to my family. Like, I've been gone for a long time. In this one, there's a lot more focus on, like, defiance. She's like, I screwed up. Like, I didn't live according to the code. And the code, the Jedi code says you're supposed to be loyal to your family and you're supposed to listen to them and you're supposed to do what your dad says. And I messed up. So I got to go make that right. So no, thank you, Emperor. I will not be a Jedi. So then she goes home and she goes talk to her dad and her dad attempts to have a similar scene to the end of the original and it just doesn't work. And she's like, hey, I'm really sorry that I like screwed up in a, in a similar way to the original and that's all fine. But then her... Uh, Donnie Yen shows up, if I'm remembering correctly, who is sort of like Li Shang. Uh, he shows up and is like, hey, now that you've talked to your dad, now you can come be a Jedi, right? And she's like, yes, I will take my place as the, the head Jedi of all of China. And my issue with this ending is twofold. A, it goes back to your point, I think, of like, what this ends up being is that truth means that you are obedient to the power structure that is present in your life. Mm. So she can only make right and she only gets the just desserts of this movie when she says, yep, I'm going to come home and I'm going to, I'm going to eat crow with my dad and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to make right because I defied him. And then 
the emperor still shows up and is like, by the way, you can't say no to me. I'm the emperor. You got to do this. And she's like, ah, you're right. Dang it. I forgot. Uh, truth. And then she joins the, the Jedi. Like, again, my issue with it is, is that's not, why would she join? Like, she's not meant to be the Harry Potter character. The whole point should be that she does actually go back home. Because the point right. was never let me become the hero that saves all of China ever. The point was let me save my dad so that he doesn't die. That's it. And it wasn't even a for honor, it was for her love of her father and her family. This this ending completely throws that out the window and in a way that I that threw the whole movie for a loop for me of like kind of like what you said at the beginning. I want to rewatch it now with that in mind of like where else did I miss mm-hmm. this? Where seemingly one of the big important messages of this movie is not be yourself. It's make sure to tap into your potential such that you can better serve the people who you're supposed to serve. Yeah, right. Like a movie that that was meant to be about how silly tradition can be ended up being about a girl who looks at a lot of tradition-related words on a sword and then obeys them to the T. Yes, which is exactly very weird. And and when she does that, she ends the movie by winning. Like she gets yes. everything she could ever want. And she gets a new yeah. word on the sword, like another rule. Yep, yep. Uh, which is family, isn't it? Yeah, it's fam- fam- devotion to family. Right. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Devotion to family becomes one of the Jedi rules, and uh, that again was that the point of the movie was devotion <laughs> to family the theme? I don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> very weird. Um, positives. I loved a lot of the atmospheric scenes. I have no idea where this movie was shot. I'm assuming a good portion of it was shot in uh, rural China, at least based I on what I'm assume. looking at. I can only I hope. have no clue, but I might I might think so. Um, beautiful. Like, truly some gorgeous landscape shots, um, yeah. such that it made me mad because the rest of the movie <laughs> didn't have that. And I was like, why didn't you have it? I don't get it. That was really great. Uh, some of the action is 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 actually fairly good. Um, again, when they're sort of leaning into genre as opposed to, I don't know, commercial, I guess, for lack of a better description. Um, I thought the woman who played Mulan was fine. Um, I don't really have any issue one way or the other. It didn't really seem like it was asking a lot. She was fine. Um, the rest of the cast, I just love. It just feels like they're never getting what they deserve out of this. Uh, Donnie Yen, Gong Li, Jet Li. I, I just... No. But they're so big. I mean, they're such heavy hitters. And I don't know. They they were fine when they were in it. I liked them. Um, do I have anything else? I don't know. I liked the dad. Um, Chi Ma is the dad. Very good. Yes. Yes. That was great. I kind of don't have a lot beyond that. Oh, oh, uh, the costumes. I actually liked the costumes quite a bit. Oh, costumes are great. Yep. I liked the costumes. That's... And to compliment that, I enjoyed the color in the movie a lot. I just loved, I loved yeah. the, the just the comp- color composition of almost any shot. Um, it was just it was very beautiful, very like like it complements like what you were saying about landscaping and costumes and everything. Just 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 gorgeous to look at and a lot of a uh, lot of scenes. It's very very I nice, agree. very well done. And that's uh, that's it. That's what I got. You have any other positives to add? <laughs> no, but I do have a, a, th- a thing that I think will summarize a lot of what we've been, or everything that we've been saying. Um, they interviewed the director of this movie about the movie, um, and she's, uh, she's white. She's a white woman, um, which, curious choice, because uh, there are yep. no Asian directors, or specifically Chinese directors who are women, obviously. Um, 
not a single one. So <laughs> she was talking in the interview about the movie and she says, although it's a critically important Chinese story and it's set in Chinese culture and history, there's another culture at play here, which is the culture of Disney. It's like, what the hell does that mean? But I think it explains huh. a lot of our qualms about this movie. I feel like you could dig into that for another hour if we wanted to, but I, I think... I, there's a lot to unpack there, but I, what she's saying gives me a vibe that explains away a lot. No, it does. Um, Basically went into an interview and said, yeah, this couldn't be all it was going to be. Yeah, I think what that sort of leads me to as my final thoughts on this are Disney seems to have an interest and I understand that interest. I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm trying to be non-cynical about the business side for a second, which is difficult, but I'm trying to sort of remove cynicism and say, I understand their interest in trying to make movies that are appealing beyond an American audience. And they seem to be interested in picking specific genres in order to create these movies. And because at least to me, it seems like they hope that that will appeal to let's call it the home of that audience. So for example, a lot of Aladdin sure feels like a Bollywood movie. And a lot of Mulan sure feels like a Wuxia movie. Here's my issue. Don't hire Guy Ritchie to do a Bollywood movie. Like I'm if that's what you want to do, we can sort of debate the ethics around that all we want. But I at least think it's an interesting decision. If you say to yourself, you know what, we're going to remake Aladdin and we're going to make it Bollywood Aladdin. Cool. Um, to my knowledge, it is still the single largest film production uh, industry in the world is Bollywood. I'm sure you could have found a single director. <laughs> like, There's just no way that you couldn't have found one director in uh, – let's even extend beyond, uh, beyond Bollywood and just go to the entirety of South Asia, of the subcontinental region – you couldn't have found a single director in order to make what was very clearly supposed to kind of be a Bollywood movie. And the same thing goes here. You couldn't have found a single Chinese director of, of all of all of them, like of the whole mm-hmm. lot. And there's many. You couldn't have found one in order to make your Wuxia movie. Why? I don't understand. Like, why not just. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of very bad reasons why, but it's just that sort of feeling of, I don't mind that they're trying to do genre movies. I just wish they would actually do it. Stop giving us imitations of it. Um, Give us the actual thing, and I think you're better served. Yeah. It leads to us watching a lot of the scenes in the movie and feeling like they're parodies of the genre that they're trying their best to emulate instead of a faithful uh, version. Yep. So that's how we feel about Mulan live action. (laughs) I, what's a, what, how, what do you recommend to people? What, what would you tell people who are like, hey, we listen to your episode. Should they, A, should they pay $30 to watch it right now on Disney Plus? B, should they watch it in December for free? Yeah, I'm going to say watch it in December for free. I, I suppose I, I can imagine if you have Disney Plus, for anybody out there who has it or has access to it in any form, that at some point you'll see it come across the, the front page when eventually, especially if it's just on there for free and you may be curious to click on it. And I think that might be the exact and only time that you should think about it, right? If it just comes across your homepage and uh, you think, I oh, might as well give it a go. Give free, feel free to give it a go. But I do think that I'm, I'm assuming that you slightly agree with me here despite having done the opposite, but I, I'm not sure that it is really worth the money at all. 
No, I, um, uh, I very much, I, I paid for this movie because A, I'm a fool and B, because <laughs> I have not seen a new film since Scoob. And the last movie that I saw oh, in theaters geez. was Sonic the Hedgehog. And I just needed to see something new. Like I just needed to, to have the experience of going to the movies, made everything dark, you know, made it sort of the movie experience because that's what I really like doing. And frankly, I'm willing to pay to do that. And, and a couple of friends of mine and, you know, we sort of split the cost. So it was all good. It ended up being just as much as it would be to go see a cheap seat, for example. Um, and if you want to do that and you want to have that experience, I say go for it. My guess is that if you're trying to find something, for example, to watch with your family, like if you happen to be quarantining at home and if you're quarantining with your parents, things like that, my best guess is that uh, most of the people who only see on average four movies a year in America, they're not going to care. Like I have a feeling this will be a perfectly entertaining movie for the majority of people and that's totally fine. Um, I don't actually think it is horrible. I just think it is disappointing. Um so frankly, if that's what you're interested in and you want to, you, you think it's worth the cost, go for it. If you are someone who's a little more picky or you think your parents are or whatever, or you don't have that exact circumstance, I don't think I can justify you paying for this. There's just no reason. Uh, just wait until it's free. Yeah, you said it. What a curious movie. I mostly just want to give the cast a hug and tell them that they're still like fantastic in every possible way and I love them all. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> I'm really interested in the behind the scenes. Maybe we'll get that someday. I wonder if they were having fun while making this. Didn't feel like they were having fun. Yeah, it also, I mean, they also just had to go quiet for so long because they got delayed. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Well, anyway, that's Disney's 2020 Mulan. Mulan 2020, I suppose. All right. Well, you can find us uh, all kinds of places. And all of those places are listed on a very handy little link that I think is on our Twitter. Uh, and our Twitter is at AYSWpod. Uh, you can also find our Twitters on that as well. You can Google us. Twitters. It's 2020. You can ask Alexa. She'll tell you. If you, if you, <gasps> if you say, true. Alexa, play Are You Still Watching the podcast? That's so true. It'll actually Try be it like, out. See what happens. Very exciting. And I'm yeah, sorry for everyone yeah. who we just activated your uh, robots. Uh, that's our bet. Alexa, stop. Is yours talking to you? Yeah, I was going to say, I think I could hear it. Yeah. Well, there's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you can find our Twitter there as well. You can find our Patreon uh, if you want to support us and our special new series that might be coming. That would be great. Um, mm-hmm. And until then, just always remember to be dutiful to your family. Above all, no matter what else happens, you just have to listen to them. Even if that doesn't feel like the point. Also truth. (laughs) Also truth. Yep. We will see you next time. 